0: welcome everyone to the books that change us podcast my name is Don azubike onyebu and today is going to be an amazing show do you want to learn how to build a legacy business do you want to learn how to increase your ability to earn and to retain what you've earned then this show has been made for you today our guest is Mr. Sheriff Badamossi. Mr. Sharif is the principal consultant of the JPN Consult. He is a management consultant, a certified business trainer, and a money management coach. Please join me as I welcome Mr. Sheriff.
1: To be on board
0: thank you very much so I really like to read some of your posts your posts are quite insightful mm-hmm. I yes so I, I, I noticed you have a, a very uh, great love for personal finance yes yeah so tell, tell us about that what, what's the story behind that
1: Yeah, the the story actually started in 1996 when I was graduating from university. Um, I lived in the UK at the time. I was always um, struggling penny penny to pocket, you know, truly trying to find out, you know, uh, the best way to. To actually, manage my finances from living to what kind of uh, you know, food, all that kind of stuff. You know, you're struggling student you know. And I was I, from day one since I started the university, I was working so I was working part time and I was studying full time. Mm. So it wasn't really that difficult, it, it wasn't really, sorry, really that easy for me to be able to manage myself anyway, but. Um, in 1996 when I was graduating, I realized that, because the university gives you that kind of safety net, you know, yeah. you're in a hostel, you're, you know, everything is within the campus, practically everything is free for students, yeah. even the gym I was going to was very free, yeah. but um, when I was graduating, I had to move from Manchester, where I was studying, down to London and I realized that I'm on my own, I no longer have the safety net, I no no longer have a campus to shield me, Mm. that I now was going into the real world, because from there I now was searching for a master's or some postgraduate studies and all that, but where was I going to live in the UK? In London. So when I moved down there, um, I was struggling quite a bit, you know, um, rent, I lived in a hostel uh, for foreign students and things like that. But um, I just said to myself that, look, if I don't start doing my finances, I'm going to have a a lot of trouble with myself. So I just thought, and I'd already, when I did accounting on them, you know, my first degree was economics, and one of the modules there was accounting. So I really took to the accounting lecturer. So that was where my love and my passion for accounting started. So I just thought, okay, the little I know about um, T-accounts, doing debit and credit and all that, let me even do... Uh, one for myself. So I got a piece of paper and I drew the account on what I knew from class. And I just started doing debits and credits and writing them down. And I had a number of body sheets, so each for one bank account, uh, for cash, for food, for all that. So when I debit one, I credit the next one. And that's how I just started practicing this thing from 1996. So, and from there, I moved to Excel. And that also gingered me to study ACCA because it, by a year or, or two later, I studied ACCA. Uh, because I wanted to be a childhood accountant. Because that love and and passion started from there. So that's where I started this. And ever since then, I've never stopped doing my accounts. it, it, It gives me a big picture as to where I am financially, where I could be financially in 6 to 12 months and also years to come. Uh, and also helps me to be able to curb my enthusiasms regarding, you know, the luxuries of life and when to do them. You know, it's not you know, like you're not allowed to enjoy, mm. but timing is everything mm. with money. Mm. You know, and, and those one, that's one of the things that I'm really, really passionate about. And when I see and in Nigeria here, because that's one of the reasons I came back to Nigeria in 2006. I said, look, I need to teach my people because there's things that I've picked up on my journeys around the world. Mm. Let me let me even come back because everybody's always the number one issue here in Nigeria is money. everybody's always talking money, 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 money. Everywhere yeah. you are just hearing it. Mm. And sometimes get very tiring You are just saying, looking at it and going, ah, Come on, this is not as hard, though because I've done it. My first job, or how much mm. will I save when I started? saving was one pound something, and at the time the exchange rate, it just worked out to be about about one five a month. That's all I could save. In Nigeria, I will tell you today that how can I save one five? That that money. And mm. I'm telling them that, look, yes, it's money. You'd be surprised. One five over 12 months. Just keep doing it. It's a start because the habit is more important than the amount.
2: Yeah. And these are some
1: of the things that I actually talk about a lot. So, mm. yeah, that's how I started. It was my own personal journey. Then I discovered softwares, Microsoft Money, Sage, all these different things. And I realized, oh, these things can actually be used domestically by people. Um, I started using them. Uh, wave app or the wave app that is discontinued outside America now mm. uh, and different things like that and I realized that the more I do that the more I knew where I was doing. and it got me into the f- stock market earlier on when I was in university I was able to send money back to Nigeria mm. to buy stocks and shares mm. so things like that all those different different things so by the time I came back in 2006 I had a, a, a portfolio of wealth waiting for me to really convert money from pounds to naira mm. to sell to your papa buying Mm. shares for me and you keep buying and that was when Nigeria was buoyant. So Mm. I was building already stuff Mm. in my early 20s, which is what I'm encouraging a lot of people to do today. Do stuff in your early 20s because by the time I'm I'm 40-something, I'm late 40s, and I'm telling you, by the time you get to this age, you now realize, I thank God I did this thing because I have three kids, I have a wife and Nigeria, look at where it is now. Mm. So if you can accumulate some of this wealth for yourself, by the time uh, you know you know, things start getting alright because they are going to. The mm. economies go up and down. You are able to stand move. so really yeah. That was my story behind it. So That's my personal experience it.
0: Interesting. L- let me just maybe ride on that. Um what's the best financial decision you've ever gotten from maybe a mentor or a coach or someone you look up to?
1: Ah best financial decision I'm there are many, but which one would I say was the best?
0: Or one of the, the best, rather?
1: Well, at, when, I first, when I came back and Nigeria started having issues, a big problem that I had was how do I invest in this market? Because I have access to the UK market as well. How do I invest in the Nigerian market? Our currency is going to pop this. Inflation is ridiculous. Now, today is 14% point something. So, if I invest here, there is no investment in this country, I told myself, that can give me as much interest. And the rate of inflation would erode it. Mm. So, what is the point? Ryan Jones can't do investments in US dollars or pounds. But I remember speaking to a good friend of mine, and this guy has been invested here for a while. And the funny thing about it is that this guy actually is actually using the UK, but he chooses most of his investments in Nigeria. And I was surprised that the guy I was like, He said, You'd be surprised where this country is going. You see, you've got to look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is this country. There's a lot of mismanagement, yes, but there's also a lot of false information. Mm. Because you ask yourself the question, the same country that everybody is running away from, the same country that people are saying is impossible to invest here, you get foreigners pouring in everything, yeah. the Chinese, the Lebanese, what are they things that we are not? Mm. So that's the first question which you need to ask yourself. Then they're saying something that we are not seeing. For them to leave their own country, the economies are more stable than ours. But yes, they believe at this place. I spoke to an Indian lady in recently and she said she even wants to be buried in Nigeria here. Her and her husband have decided that there's nothing for them in India. Father, are you serious? Wow. When if you give Nigeria an opportunity to collect Indian passports and go and live there, you will take it. Meanwhile, he doesn't see the gold that exists within his own economy. It takes someone else from outside to come and see her. So the great advice for me was. To invest here, so that's why I started with treasury bills. I know that as a result of whatever the government was doing, the central bank they killed the, um, the market. I mean, it went all the way from 12%, 12% and well, all the way down to about 2% now. Yeah. More than that for treasury but government bonds are still there, and these government bonds are in double digits you know, 10%, 11 12 some 15 some 16 Uh But yeah, I hedged into it for many, many years. I mean, 10 years, 15 years, 20 year bonds. But as long as government in Nigeria doesn't fail and we have a, a, a good um, GDP, um, government bonds are always good. So I got introduced to that. Uh, this is about two, three years ago. Uh, I was a bit skeptical. In fact, my account manager took a long time. I, I'm the kind of person I want to invest. Ah, it takes a long time. You have to be very patient with me because you would have given me the lowdown, explained to me, shown me the numbers. I may have still be looking at you going, I'm not sure. You know, I'm still holding my money in my bank account, but I know that every day that day I'm holding my money in my bank account is losing value. Yeah. That I need to jump on this investment. Yeah. So eventually, I took the plunge, I got into it, and today I am smiling. you do believe that this thing is paying for my children's school fees without the sweat? Wow. My work it doesn't pay for my children's. Cookies wow yes this investment i'm telling you i was shocked you know because the returns are not bad the returns come so yeah where, where everybody is making noise about ah oh, nigeria this doesn't have the sound like that everything that i had i threw it into government bonds. i sat back so my capital is to get because i get it back mm. on the majority of the instrument yeah but the coupons they give me every six months is enough to pay my children's money so, wow. I'm not breaking the sweat. When everybody is mocking out about school. as long as I put them in a school that balances yeah. efficacy, mm-hmm. education plus reasonable fees, because there are a lot of schools that are charging ridiculous fees, mm-hmm. and they're not justified. Mm-hmm. But as long as I find the right school that balances both, this investment is paying for it. me. Exactly. So I'm not even worried about educating my kids. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm worried about is putting, you know, food on the table, and that's not as expensive as education, you understand that one I can hustle for that one. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's how I've been able to plan. Now imagine if I didn't do my account. How would I have known that? Okay, if I structured this this way, structured that, most people would have taken the money I invested and spread it over a number of years. But every day you're spending, you're not getting anything back for each naira.
2: Mm.
1: And that's the logic of investment. Mm. People should funnel everything they have through investment. And generate additional income, so that whatever you are spending, you know there's still a reserve somewhere. That like come rain or shine, you can you can liquidate that at any point in time. So Great. the greatest advice was invest in Nigeria and I took the plunge, and I'm happy.
0: Interesting. Well, the, the question, or maybe one of the things I have noticed, is the dearth of financial education. Um, yeah. So, the, the average person really doesn't understand money. We want money, we love money, we work for money, but we don't understand money, how yeah. the, the mindset, how it works and the whole thing around money, how to multiply it, uh, yeah. we're just very concerned about it, but we really don't go the extra mile to try to even understand the concepts behind money and how it works, how it flows, how it increases, how it decreases. You know how the economy affects your personal wealth, and how your personal wealth um, affects the economy. So I just think that that's where the problem is. You know, with a lot of people. So, uh, so, so, what kind of advice do do you give to people with regards to financial education?
1: well, for a start, uh, well, I wrote something last night which is very interesting. I find it interesting asking this question. And one of the, the thing I wrote was, it's, if you're waiting to have enough money to start being investing, you're never going to have the opportunity to invest in your lifetime.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's one thing. Because you forget that when I started, I was saving roughly about $1,500 mm. or 1050 at the time a month. It seemed ridiculous on a scale but, it made sense because that money, about three years later, saved me from eviction. Wow. Because I used to do it by direct debit. It saved me from eviction and I had been doing it for direct debit for so long. The bank was just taken automatically from my account uh, into a savings account. In fact, it was an individual savings account and they, it attracted higher interest. I didn't even know how much was inside. Mm. So one day when I was being evicted, I just thought, come on, I have money somewhere. I completely forgot because it was direct debit. I wasn't paying it myself. Mm. So when I went there and I saw the amount, I was, also, I was like, wow, this is more than the rent that this woman is asking for. And I took the money and I paid the rent um, very easily. And I just continued saving from then on because it was direct debit. But one thing I also did was as time went on because I realized that worked, my experience with a teacher, I increased the amount once I had higher income. So I moved on to a job that paid me and I had a bit more gaps. In. The trick is when you're living at a particular income level and you have a certain level of saving, albeit no matter how small it is, when your earnings capability increases, do not increase your lifestyle as much. Because there's a temptation to do so. If you're the kind of person that's living on a $100,000 budget and you're saving like maybe 5 a month, and all of a sudden you get a new job that's paying you $200K. That means you are spending 95k before. I would encourage you to increase your lifestyle to 150 and say 50. So you're jumping from a 5k a month savings to a 50k a month savings. Mm-hmm. And so on and so forth. Because I believe that as you are progressing in your career, your ability to attract income increases with your ability to provide value. Yeah. So as a result of that, your capacity to save should it it doesn't mean that maybe the army just can buy one nice thing, mm. because all of a sudden you have gone from 100k to 200k to 300k to 400k of a sudden, ah yes now mm, mm, mm. a lot of people don't may not believe me look I, I'm, I'm not struggling as it were but you wouldn't believe I'm still driving the same car that I bought in 2006 interesting because it moves people are just me oh guy you can't buy something better than me. even my wife Said that yes, I can because, because I have a fantastic maintenance culture. I don't mess around with maintaining my cars because I don't like cars dying when I'm carrying my children. Mm. So, but I've maintained the same car because the reality is it's still working. It's not as if I can't. I know because if you look at my car, don't use that to judge me because you 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 get the answer wrong.
0: Now it's I know the secret.
1: Case. Yeah, <laughs> if you look at my car, you look at it. So, you know don't use my car to judge me mm. because you know people that have looked at my car or they've looked at you know what i wear because i don't buy designer i don't buy all those things and they come to my house look at me again look at my house and they were like yeah mm. so you can have a fantastic but guess what the house is an asset the car is a waste of money mm. as the house is appreciating the car that i bought since 2006 still ferrying me around Lagos, mm. right Maybe once in a while, I'm not gonna lie to you, because I know how Nigerians mm.
2: think.
1: If I'm going to a very important meeting, I will borrow a flashy car from someone and attend that meeting.
2: Mm. no matter what <laughs> But
1: my own car remains I'm, I'm being honest. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. If you want it because that flashy car is not simple it doesn't symbolize my ability. I have a fundamental belief. Now, people might call me Egypt or Stingy or not that. No. Mm. Of the, I want to. I give a lot. I help people a lot. Right? And I don't believe in taking 40 million and buying a car. And 40 million can only fit ideas
2: around me. Mm.
1: It doesn't make sense to me. And I have a car that is working at the moment. And mm. day I'll give the car to someone. You know, These are some of the ideologies that I hold. You know, and it works for me. Okay, so as long as someone gives me a forty million million dollar card
0: and buy one. Okay, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, no. So I I wanted to ask um, with regards to regular savings, um, with, yeah. uh, with regards to direct debiting. How, how yeah. does that apply for someone that doesn't earn a regular income? Maybe the person is a self-employed person. Person makes maybe a hundred thousand today and doesn't make in the yeah. next two months. You know, how yeah. how do you encourage that person to? be able to ride through it, yes,
1: maybe you say so, um, because I fall into that category as well, my business doesn't generate money every month, uh, but when it does, it's good money, or well, do you know what I do, um, because I have a budget, that's what I'm saying, That before you can actually end, go into this whole direct everything, you must know what your outflows are, and to know what your outflows are means you must have a system, a money system for yourself. That's one of the things that I teach teach you know, under this money management programme. You must have a money system for yourself. And the money system for yourself says, okay. Like the question I asked myself my 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 clients and also my, my you know, recently my brother he was struggling. I said, Can you tell me exactly how much your outgoings are every month? And what you find is that most people struggle to tell you. This is exactly how much my, my fam- com my family the cost to my family every month. All bills included with DSTV or the largest you like. Mm. This is how much it costs. If you can't give me that number, then you can have a system, a full proof system. I have that number. Wow. So that number now helps you to be able to say, okay, you know, come rain or so, and yeah, adjusting this number for inflation every year. Mm. It's a system. So if I say this is the number, no matter what the full prices are, or full price, or whatever get, yeah. You know, I've been saying I've spending. You know, I've been spending the same amount of money on fuel for the last six years. How right? how, how is that? Each car, I spend five thousand naira on fuel on, on each car every month, every week on okay. fuel. Okay. Now, what changes if they increase fuel today from one? I think I think at the moment is one sixty two.
2: Mm.
1: If they increase it to three hundred, right? I may not necessarily change the 5K. I'll still have the 5K. But it will influence how often I go out. Because I still want to live within that 5K. Necessary trips would be. Then that's another thing about buying fuel efficient cars. All these things work hand in I have a fuel efficient car and I have a gas bus am mm. when, when, when I'm going for a long distance, I take the fuel efficient and I make sure that these cars are working.
2: Mm. Because I know that
1: even I feel this time, it can get to send So going back to your question, sorry, I can, let me not digress too much. Mm. So someone that, so when you have this system, what it does for you, is mm. that it helps you to put a number to your lifestyle. You have to have a number to your lifestyle, you don't have one, you have a problem. So when you not have this number, if for instance, you, your number is 50k a month, hypothetically, and you make 100k, you know that that 100k represents two months of your life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and after that 50k you save maybe like 1k right so you're living on 49 and you're saving 1k it means that in the next two months you can run that direct debit of 1k now 1k is not too bad in terms of being able to 1k is not inaccessible to anybody
2: mm-hmm.
1: i don't know if you understand what i mean yeah it's low yeah. enough so when you're running the same score why do you think i started with 1259 back then well, so, come rain or shine, no matter how bad it gets, you can find one kid somewhere for mm. the bank to take it from your account mm. and continue saving mm. No matter how bad it gets, mm. you know, they say that Nigerians give on a dollar, mm. yeah. but within that dollar, one kid is it's there. Mm. Mm. You understand my logic now? Yeah. So the savings is a habit. Until you build a stable inflow, mm. you can start with the lowest that you know, come rain or shine, I will be able to find this amount. Transfer and direct debit to savings. It never gets that bad. So when he, and the only way you can identify this number is to know how much
0: your lifestyle is worth. I think and that you know. that's where so I think that, that
1: yeah I think that that's
0: where a lot of people um yeah. they live literally hand to mouth. They don't they don't Thank they don't you. have a they don't have a number. They don't yeah. have um, the calculations. Sure. Because sometimes um I think I've asked someone how much money do you need. Uh, to stop walking, and he he didn't have that answer. He felt lost. <laughs> he hasn't done the calculation. He has not done the calculation, so he may actually have that money saved somewhere, but he he doesn't even know. So he's still, you know, uh, hitting the streets, doing the rat race, and everything. And that's why I still say that uh, financial education is the major uh, part where people are not getting
1: it right. It's a must for everybody in the world, maybe wherever you are in this world, it's a must. Because people feel that financial education is, going and also make as much money as you can and do know that the money they there. But the truth about it is that it's not about that. You can have a lot money. And that's why some rich kids inherit so much money from their parents and they lose it within the span of a couple of years. They don't understand how that money can work for them. They don't. Why do you think a lot of, um, I don't I want to discriminate anybody, but a lot of leaders in african countries still mm. it's mainly because they haven't learned how to you can steal once for the rest of your life they're living on that yeah I'm, I'm not encouraging stealing i'm just saying and you don't have to deplete and believe the resources of a country mm. just because one day you, they say you stole one billion another day three trillion and I, what are you excuse me hundred million even in this nigeria if someone knows what to do with it you don't need to make any more money again that money can work for you for the rest of your life if you know what you're doing. Okay. <laughs> I still think a lot of people don't know what they're doing. If they you they have to have the trillions and the billions. Okay. And some people are already sitting on the rest of their lives, but they're also outside trying to make more instead of learning how to make that one continue multiplying so that they can sit down, read, relax, and read books. Like you and I do. <laughs>
0: wow, interesting. When we come back, Mr. Sheriff continues with the books that changed his life. What are some of the books that um, you've read that have changed your life? Ooh,
1: there are quite a few. It ranges from faith-based books. Um, to business books, to um, fiction, you know, different things. Because growing up fiction size, I, I mean, I used to be, I, I, I still am, I, I'm a bit of a dreamer. I like the idea of getting involved with something that makes me disappear from my current environment. Mm. So I watch a lot of fantasy movies, I watch a lot of, you know, I do a lot of that stuff. And I like reading books mm. that, that, that are fiction based. Uh, that's all i take away from myself but mainly I'm a business book type person exactly. I like reading about um, especially in the area of how to build a legacy how to build finance and things like that mm. um, I read a lot of journals mm. more so than books but when I read books I'm very very calculated because there are so many opinions out there let me, let me to be honest mm. but the question is how many people read really, you know what I mean which that part that is a very popular, bro. Yeah. I mean, he teaches a lot of fundamental principles, a lot of which I enterprise with, mm. a lot of which I listen to. Yeah. So Kiyosaki is someone I do in finance. Mm. If I was doing um, sales and marketing, I am really, really uh, taken in by Simon Sinek. Okay. Into you know, into, in I really love his uh, approach. Fine, who's been criticized on a lot of occasions. I mean, I also follow him on LinkedIn, follow him on many different platforms. I look at for his free webinars and webcasts and things like that, and I listen in and all that. His latest um, project is Start With Why. I mean, and that's a beautiful book. I'm yet to read it, but I have it mm. because I'm reading other things at the moment. I want to finish those before I go there. But I love his ideology because I've listened to a lecture he came on that. You've got to know the why of everything. Yeah, and if you know the why of everything, it's kind of like emerges in with a vision, which brings me to the book that really really started me on this whole consultancy vibe, uh, and, and made me believe that yes, I can actually be a consultant uh, and a successful one. Mm-hmm. It's a book by Jim Collins and Jerry Porras. It's called Build to Last. Okay. But yeah, and uh, well, I would say Jim Collins because Built to Last is is <laughs> it, it, he looks at um, what he's trying to do is in investigating and asking himself the question what makes companies successful? What makes companies straddle generations and go stronger? So you're looking at companies like Coca-Cola IPM Apple you're looking at they're still around today I mean they were around in our parents' generations they were around in grandparents' generations and think of a 3M you know and he investigates and asks himself the question I mean he went It took him years to write this book. He went around and asked the question, What makes these companies successful? And some other companies are struggling to even make their five year mark. And he was running comparisons between great companies, right? Good companies and great companies. Mm. There's a follow on book from this called Good to Great. So, Build to Last is looking, investigating companies that were built to last and stand the test of time through wars through economic downturns through great depressions through financial stock, uh, stock market depression you name it and these companies have survived what made them survive is it the money is it, when you investigate the book you realize that it's down to an ideology mm. now ideology sounds very simple on the face of it but One of the most complicated aspects of any business, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, understand. One of the biggest problems you're going to have as an entrepreneur is people. Yeah. That's always going to be the biggest problem you have. No matter how much, it's not money, it's people. Because people, you cannot just control the way you want it. Resources can be controlled. Yeah. You can't control your your way your business is. you can control your brand, how you want it to be to be seen and all that. But the people that will help you to be able to achieve your objective, that's the tougher not to crack. Mm. And what you find is a lot especially in this economy in Nigeria, we haven't got the people formula right. Yeah. We're still struggling extremely well. And that's one thing that did it for me, because when I read Kim Collins book The last, I started reading and I realized that the, the what is similar of what is um, consistent with a lot of these big companies like Coca Cola, Pepsi, 3M, um, and, and, and the likes, is the fact that they were formed. Because he went back to the founders of these companies and looked at what was driving them to do this. Mm. And even companies like, I'll give you an example um, General Electric. Mm. General Electric was a phenomenal company under Jack Welsh. I read mm. something about what Jack Welsh did there. Mm. When Jack Welsh left, things started going wrong. There was a a gap when Welsh left, and he had to come back. And what was so different? It wasn't just about Jack Welsh's management style or ability or vision or whatever. The vision of um, the company was still the same. But what Jack Welsh was able to do was that he was a master at people management.
2: Mm.
1: And that's what separates the the, the winners from the losers they're not because it takes a heck of a lot of patience to be able to manage and drive people in such a way that they buy into your ideology your philosophy your credo your your value systems to such a degree that even they themselves are greater proponents mm. than you, the founder of the company
2: mm.
1: and founders and leaders too have to position themselves in, in, in a way that um they realize that, look, these guys are our greatest assets, and we are not necessarily the greatest assets of, their business, of my business, even though I started the business. It takes a lot of strength for a leader or an entrepreneur to step back and let other people get the face of this company, mm. or to step back and let other people drive the success of this organization. Because you started the business doesn't mean you are the biggest brain there. It mm. doesn't.
0: So that's yeah. that's that that doesn't all go well with the ego of the average person. At all.
1: Especially the average Nigerian. Ah no. That's a big problem.
0: I have to be the to founder, visionary, ETC. Yeah. You have to, to know to me.
1: everything. Yeah. And you know, and that's why we re- regard everybody as staff rather than partners. Interesting. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody that wants to be a partner. They don't have to be there. They have they make a choice to wake up every day and leave their homes and come and join. Yeah, you're yeah, giving them a paycheck, but we reduce the average worker in Nigeria to someone that collects a paycheck, a member of staff, and we don't see them as this person can ask me for the reason why my, my brand succeeds above my competitors. But they never tap into that person's resource. Because if you allow him to shine, where does that leave me as the owner? But, wow. See, if you start a business today, you must tell yourself that this business is bigger than me, must outlive me. Right? Mm-hmm. And you know, it doesn't have to be my name that's on it. So that's and that's a completely
0: business, whole new mindset.
1: Yes, it's a complete mindset. Shift. And I feel a lot of companies in Nigeria need to build that. Because another thing that Jim Collins looks at is succession. Most companies, and this is how a lot of companies fail, mm. is succession. Most companies that were great never ever kept it in the family. Mm. That's a big one. Mm. Never kept it in the family. It was succeeded. The owners of the companies were succeeded by people that were the most competent. Because you had children, doesn't mean that they will be interested in what you're doing. A lot of people have to realize this. And Nigerians want to keep it in the family because they feel that, oh, my son is not there, my daughter is not there, but they're not the best person. There are other people in this country that are equally as good. Wound them. Because again, when you have this sort of values, credos, vision, mission statement, and you value the company about everybody that is there, including you, the founder, it's no longer about yourself. Or your bloodline It's more about success of the enterprise. And that's why some companies Even don't go to market and capitalize on the stock market because they feel they'll lose their enterprise. And that's one of the biggest cowardice moves you can ever make as an entrepreneur. You have the opportunity to go to list, get into the shareholding. Yes, there's a risk that once you list, you lose your company. Mm -hmm. There's a risk that you lose control. the company to survive Mm -hmm. and lose control. Yeah. So at the end of the day, please. So these are the fundamental ideologies that. You really want to build a big, a great company that last generation, like coca cola of this world, or the Xerox, or all these guys. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to let go? And are you willing to step aside and let the company grow without you being the foreigner? Even though you're the one that created it. It takes a lot of guts to go down that road. It does. That's what Jim Collins talks about and Build to Last. Yeah. You know, some of the ideas, it looks...
0: Yeah. It does. So qu- question uh, that uh, I also like to ask you is, um, how did that affect your own
1: life and your own business? Yeah, because I went in as a consultant. So when I was starting this business, I said to myself, I want to work with people because initially I wanted to work with people that share similar ideologies. It's it's difficult to find such people, especially within this environment, but I do have a few. I, I, I will say that I'm blessed lucky to have a few that sort of are around me. Um, I have a group of um, entrepreneurs that are, are trade partners of mine. And uh, so then I asked myself, what structure do I want to put in this company? Uh, it so happened that by the time that I built my company, by about two years into it, COVID hit. Mm. So COVID helped me also to be able to... And it's funny because I'd already started doing, taking the online with when COVID hit. Because I thought, do yeah, I want my business to be you know, based? Mm. As opposed to... You know, I've done classroom trainings, I've done trainings in companies, I've done in my facility and things like that, but do I want um, this company to be placed at the post? And I've already started investigating that. So when COVID hit, it was just like, ah, okay, maybe God is speaking.
2: Mm. Like
1: maybe this is the route to take. So it was easier for me to make the transition. I remember there were so many questionnaires out there, how is COVID affecting your business? And i was telling you, the funny I that, yeah, the COVID hit, I did more work than I've done in any other work preceding that. Interested. It's very odd. Okay, because so many people are, you know, I did that. And also, my, don't bear in mind that my life is twofold. On the one hand, my financial management prowess mm. has built enough for me to be able to say, okay, fine, at least I'm okay for the next substantial number of years. Mm. So that gives me the freedom to sometimes take jobs or not take jobs. I remember sometimes I have clients that have come up come up to me and from discussions with them, you know, sometimes just feel uncomfortable. So <laughs> people will tell you that you're an entrepreneur. How can you turn down business? I think it's very easy. When you have a backup. <laughs> yes no. Uh, you I have a backup, I'm not hungry. So if I'm not hungry, I can weigh clients because because they are coming with money. Buy my services doesn't mean I, I should take your services, and that's one of the pluses that when you're working full time and you're earning an income, start building wealth. Mm. Because if you want to make the transition into entrepreneurship, by the time you become an entrepreneur, your wealth should be working for you so that you can make a choice of clients.
0: Mm. And that's and very important, very, that's very, very important, important.
1: Yeah. because some clients can end your business. I have, I have clients, I've had a client before that. What they were willing to pay was way less than what I was proposing for the work that they were but yet they wanted me to give the time. And I'm like, no, I'm not to share your time with other projects because sorry, you're not buying enough of my time.
2: <laughs>
1: you understand? Yeah. So I'm gonna share your project with other projects because imagine me using uh two whole weeks twenty four seven, doing one project and the value of money I'm getting is only up to five days worth of work. Wow. So, who's going to pay for the remaining 70 or uh, 90s mm. that I don't have? I know how much of my time is worth, mm. right? Because it's linked to, again, that system that I put in place. It is linked to how much I know my lifestyle is worth every month. Yeah. You see how everything ties in? Yes, it does. It does. So, imagine if you don't have those systems. People are starting ahead. That's how some entrepreneurs are struggling to find out how much to charge. How much to charge is based on how much you're paying yourself on your salary, and how much you're paying your staff, and how much you're paying all these things. And you can't go below that. And some jobs you have to walk away from. Because it's better for you to have no job within a space of time, than to fool yourself with a job that is underpaying you by at least 50%. Mm. And when an opportunity comes, you can't take it because you're occupied with a, with no value. Done. What? Mm. The, the space was free. It's a similar concept of you're dating someone that you know you can't marry. So mm. someone that what you can marry now comes along, sees you dating someone, and you think you're taking and you move on. You've lost that. Wow. This has Do been... not fill the void with nonsense. Yeah, very, very important. This is... Very important.
0: This is very, very, very interesting, and you know i I know we could spend all the time keep talking and but but this has been great value for for both me and all our listeners and I for you as well yeah, thank you, and for you as well. so uh, thank you so much for for honoring our invitation and for sharing your heart and your experience with us. I know one of these uh, one of these days also will, will also follow up by the time you know you read other other books that you would like to share with us we'll be glad to have the time with you so thank you so much for for coming uh on our podcast so how can people reach
1: you well um my handles are jp consult so you can find me on instagram on facebook you can just uh, type in the search JPIN jpinconsult jpinconsult that's, okay. that's my company's name you'll be able to find them i'm on linkedin as sharif on linkedin on that. but there's also a jp consult page on linkedin you can use that to link to me As the founder of the principal consultant of Jacobin. But, um, well, Twitter, they have closed now, but I'm on Twitter, but until they decide to let us back in. um, But I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the podcast. Please share your comments with us. Please help us also rate this podcast and subscribe and we wish you an awesome, awesome day.